You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome to your week seven repack. I'm Justice Mosqueda. I'm here with Evan Tex Western. Say what's up, people, Tex. Hey, folks. Another win. Another win. It's a good day. 2410. Uh, we were just talking before. This, this very much feels like kind of that Steelers game, right? Where it's. Yep. The, the team was kind of on autopilot. They won against a team that is not of their caliber. So I guess that's a good sign. But like Aaron Rodgers uh, put it in the postgame presser, like the coach's favorite thing is, you know, you have things to work on, but you still come out with a win. Yeah, and it was it was by no means perfect, but you started to see some life from the defense. I know we'll talk about the red zone defense in a little bit, but um, that was exciting. Um, honestly, the passing game looked good as long as Rodgers wasn't getting hit. Uh, especially in the second half. I don't think there were any sacks after, after halftime. Um, so yeah, we'll take it. Move into, move to set six and one heading into that really tough stretch of the schedule. So that works for me. One of the toughest things about this game. So first and foremost, Washington outgained Green Bay. If you're wondering why this game was so weird, um, Green <laughs> Bay really came together in the red zone. Uh, like you mentioned, I think what they had four drives in there, no touchdowns, only three points. Uh, that was nice to see. Saw they have the little clip, uh, the stat clip, you know, in the broadcast, and it said it's the first time since like 2003 that any NFL team has allowed every red zone possession to turn into a touchdown over the first, you know, six weeks of the season. So it's nice to uh, get that monkey off the back a little bit, I (laughs) guess. But at the end of the day, I mean, 195 rushing yards. A lot of those were were Heineke, um, but his longest was 38. So it's not like they had one breakaway rush. It's just. I talked about it in in uh, in uh, intercepted with Mark Bullock, but like my big worry, right, was you don't need to outplay Green Bay defensively. You just need to get one sack, and then that kind of like derails everything. And then once they get the ball, it's hard for this Packers defense to kind of get off the field. Like they they only gave up ten points, but again, a lot of that came from uh, red zone uh, efficiency, I guess you would say, because they had four hundred and thirty yards offensively, almost two hundred yards yeah. rushing, like. You could see that those guys were getting gassed too. I mean, you look at the defensive line uh, that entire second half. You could tell the wheels were kind of falling off a little bit. Um, they were lucky to have that lead early so that they could keep them in kind of a, a passing script, I would say, because Heineke got 10 carries, which is <laughs> just crazy. The only, the only other guy who had more than four was Antonio Gibson, who's dealing with that shin injury. Yeah, it, it was really crazy with those those series in the second half where um, Washington goes on an 11 play 86 yard drive gets stopped at the goal line then seven plays 56 yards stopped at the three 13 plays gets you know they get picked off in the end zone and then that last drive was a, a 10 play drive um, so they had the ball for a, a huge amount of time in the second half um, and, and again they were moving the ball consistently but the Packers finally found that old cliche bend but don't break defense and were able to get those big stops in the red zone that that maintained that uh two possession lead pretty much the whole second half 
Yeah, and I just want to – they they mentioned it in the postgame too. They gave Rashawn Gary the game ball, and I thought he was deserving. He yeah. – if that wasn't his best game as a pro, it was pretty close up there. Um, They even had a – so he got the two sacks, but there were also times where, like, they would run sprint or something like that, and Rashawn Gary would hold the edge and would basically force an incompletion because he didn't let the guy outside of him. That's been an issue for him. I would say his probably his biggest issue playing on the edge is being able to play contain um, and making yep. sure nothing gets outside of him. So the fact that he stepped up there seemed good. You know, Rogers talked about him as like a guy who has kind of turned production into leadership opportunity uh, is what it kind of sounded like. Like he, he called him and Campbell both out for that. Um, should also be noted. So Preston Smith didn't play. Uh, King didn't play. I would guess both of them play next week. Um, just the way that they talked about Preston Smith. I mean, LaFleur said that he was selfless for not wanting to play this week, which kind of sounds like he could have gone, but it probably cost him, especially at that age with that type of injury that kind of lingers, you know, going into a week where you're going to have a quick turnaround and play Thursday night football. So I would expect probably both of them uh, to suit up next week. Yeah, for sure. And, and Russell Douglas getting another start. Well, actually getting, I guess, his first start in place of King right. since uh, Adam got the start last week. But for the most part, I mean, Douglas played well. Washington had a, a pretty decent game out of Terry McLaurin, but he was really their only substantial passing or uh, receiving threat in this game. So, um, yeah, I thought Douglas played pretty well. I think I, think I saw LaFleur complimenting him and on uh, his performance. Um, and, and yeah, Gary was, was just a monster today. Um, that sack strip right at the beginning of the second half was that felt like almost like a, a, a game clincher to me, the way that that game was going, um, just because it, it let the Packers go down get a, get a real quick touchdown drive to start off that second half and, and take a 21, seven lead. So that was a, a huge play to, to, you know, take away any possible momentum that Washington was going to have coming out of the half. One thing I want to talk about. Heineke, the Lambo leap. So I got <laughs> that was offensive. That should not be allowed to happen. I don't know who was in that front row in the Packers jersey who was like hugging on him for jumping in. That's absurd. Throw throw a beer on that guy's head. Dump a beer on his head. What are we talking? I, about? I don't I don't care if he grew up a Packers fan and was a big Brett Favre fan or whatever. No, no, that guy is not wearing green and gold. Get him out of the stands. That is unacceptable. Come on, guys. I've seen. Uh, okay, one. I don't want to be pro-taunting in this, right? I don't, I don't want to come across as pro-taunting. But we've seen way less offensive stuff be called as taunting. That was not – I jumped into the crowd of an enemy <laughs> fan, uh, in a, of an enemy stadium, you know? Yeah. There is another – I can't remember which game there was a, a bad taunting penalty earlier this today too. But, yeah, it was uh, – oh, man, that always chaps you a little bit when you see um, opposing teams do it. I mean – I think, I think there was a Vikings player who tried to do it a couple of years ago and rightfully so he got thrown right back out. But the fact that, yeah, that Heineke was able to sit there for a couple of seconds and soak it up. I think it, the only thing that makes it a little bit better is the fact that that play got called back because his, he went down into kind of the quarterback slide and was short of the goal line, which led to the first, uh, the first red zone stop of the year for the defense. So um I kind of I kind of alluded to it last week. We needed an offense to trip all over itself to to get a, a red zone stop, and that was the first one because he, uh, yeah, he he slides, gets called down just short of the goal line, and then they call that quarterback sneak, and Devondre Campbell punches the ball out and um, and gets Heineke called down. So um, again, Campbell 
a, another great game for him and and i'm sure we'll get to that but uh yeah it, was, it felt like a little bit of karmic justice for heineke uh getting that touchdown called back after trying trying to leap yeah it's just the it's avoid the lambo leaps avoid yep. the belts yeah this never works out for you guys <laughs> never you are not chosen you are not chosen you are not an exception to this rule um so merciless uh actually played it looked like they tried to get him in on pre- pressure packages it, it seemed kind of like Again, they're very different players. I don't want to pretend that he's Khalil Mack, but it seemed like it was like the week one Khalil Mack plan. I remember, you know, Packers fans are probably aware of that because they got Khalil Mack week one the year that, uh, you know, that trade went through. But it's it really is like, okay, you're going to be a pass rusher for one week and, you you know, we can get that under your feet. And then from there on out, you know, you can start contributing. I wouldn't be surprised if even... So if Preston, right, if, if he's on a pitch count on Thursday, yep. how involved is Merciless going to be? Because I thought he brought more pass rushing uh, potential, I guess you would say, than, you know, Garvin did, than Hamilton yep. did at this point in the season. Uh, so why couldn't he be the third outside linebacker, you know? Third yeah, game? I completely agree. And, and it would not be surprising to me, given how well Preston has played against the run this year, if he's more of a first and second down guy, and then you bring Merciless on as a sub package rusher on pack downs. I could see that being sort of the rotation that they go with to try to keep Preston as, as fresh as possible. And we only saw it really a little bit when Zadarius was healthy, because obviously he was kind of limited to third downs too um, in week one, but I think there's potential to get all three of them on the field. You know, they've done it a little mm-hmm. bit too. And it seems like kind of the way that they want, would rather do it is uh, use Gary as the drop down guy over center. So like kind of playing him in like the Zedarius role. And I don't think yep. that's a bad idea. I mean, if you have a guy who can just, his job is I'm running through your face and, you know, yeah. Preston can set an edge and Merciless has done it for a, a decade now. Why wouldn't you want to, if you're going to, bash in a pocket from any direction why not bash it in directly in front of the quarterback right and Absolutely. get him rolling left or right so yep yeah that's a that's a i think a great way for um yeah for the packers to get some interior penetration and collapse the pocket from the inside um put him next to kenny clark and let those two guys um just just do their thing and bull rush yeah um do we want to go into vibe? i guess let's go to vibe checks early i mean there wasn't that much to talk about the game so uh let's let's throw it to break and uh we'll get into vibe checks you ready showtime on may 3rd summer starts with the fall guy let's do it later let's drink a spicy margarita make some bad decisions yes Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. All right, and we're back. Offensive vibe checks. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start out this week. I, again... Yeah. I think this felt a lot like the Steelers game where it's just, they're kind of coasting. They did a little bit of different stuff. Like 
you can talk about like what they did with two back and kind of how they got Tanya involved a little bit more this week. Um, but vibes, I would say like seven out of 10, like there was nothing crazy outside of the cross the body throw from Aaron Rodgers, where uh, he looked like he was going to pull yeah. it. He said that he, he thought about running it and then he took two steps and was like, nah, I don't have the legs for this. <laughs> I got to keep my eyes downfield. And then he found Devonte across his body and ended up scoring a touchdown. That was a fun play. Yeah, I'm, I'm right with you at a seven. Um, there were some pass protection issues in the first half. Um, I think three sacks before halftime. Um, and, and some of that is just credit to Washington's defensive line being really damn good. Right. So, um, but, but we saw as long as they were keeping Rogers clean, this passing game was clicking and it was a diverse passing game too. I mean, Adams only had seven targets. Uh, Lazard had that tremendous drive where he caught five balls right before the end of the second quarter, uh, including that touchdown. Um, and, and you even got a little bit of Robert Tunyon in the, in the mix too. Um, so the, the biggest concern again for, for me was not really any semblance of a running game. And I was a little confused why they use so much empty personnel early on in the game, um, especially against a front that, you know, is going to be able to get pressure with just four rushers. Um, that seemed like a, a weird game plan thing to me to, to, uh, roll out so many empty formations rather than, um, you know, trying to keep an extra guy in to, to help chip or, or something. So a um, little bit of schematic stuff, but seven. Yeah. That's, that's right. We're right where I'm at too. Um, yeah. Yeah. I just don't know. That game plan was kind of weird. Um, mm-hmm. There's benefits and negatives to both things, right? If you spread them out, then the ball can get out of your hand quicker. Right. But if you get tight, they get heavier and that's the strength of their team. So there, there's kind of benefits and negatives to both. Um, I thought it was interesting kind of how they got Tanyan uh, involved. I was going to write something about tight ends and then it was like Friday. And I was like, I don't want to do a breakdown on tight ends <laughs> that releases on a Friday. Maybe I'll do it early this week, but the big thing to know about tight ends, Tanyan, when he's in the slot, they're passing period. That's what they do. Um, yeah. Whether it's, in the gun or out of empty. I mean, they don't really run out of empty anyway. So they're not using Rogers as like a draw guy or a quarterback power guy. So that's not the problem. But one other thing is they have huge tendencies on who is on the ball at tight end. So for example, Mercedes, if he's on the ball, it's probably a run. If he's in the backfield, what they do is they run him across the formation and it's a lot of like play action shots where he's like the extra guy to Aaron Rodgers, right. Or whichever way he's rolling out. Right. And then the opposite is true for Tanya. When he's on the ball, they're trying to get to him vertical, right? So you get that extra step or two on the ball and, yeah. you know, he just benefits you downfield. Um, the opposite is true when he's off the ball. So when he's off the ball, he's being used as a guy who climbs up to the linebacker level. And it's just, uh, I guess the way to think about it is he's not dealing with a defensive end five inches away from him, right? You're using his legs to then get him into a position to block. One of the interesting things was last week against Chicago, they learned – our guys aren't good enough to run the ball when we play like this. So what they had to do is they had to use DeGuara as a guy off the ball who would then block. So that, that's kind of like one thing that they were missing, right? Where you have Tanyan who, when he's off the ball, runs to linebacker level. You have Lewis who, when he's off the ball, is basically used as a play action threat because he's actually kind of a guy that you want on the ball because his legs kind of limit him. DeGuara is their like move tight end and you're seeing them run counter you're seeing them run power um he's going across the formation when he's lined up in the backfield um that's kind of what they're doing and i think they've kind of 
they're kind of forced to play in a three tight end system and rotate those guys with the way that their skill set is right. We, I talked to uh, Robert Mays before the uh, bears preview and kind of what he was saying was like, one thing coaches talk about all the time is green Bay. They just double up on so many body types uh, at, at wide receiver that it doesn't matter who's out there. They can throw a screen to Devonte from who, whichever what three wide receivers are out there on the field at any given time, because there's redundancy there in terms of size at tight end, we're seeing the opposite of redundancy. Every single one of those guys is just hyper-focused into like a couple things that they do specifically well. And then you're seeing Lewis every time he does catch a ball, it, it's uh, every time he's targeted, he's <laughs> catching a ball for 10 yards, right? Cause he's yep. just an afterthought of how those tight ends are used. So that was really interesting. And one way that they actually got Tanya active in the passing game is they started using nub and minus splits, which think of him as like the furthest outside guy, but still in line or basically in like a slot formation. Right. So like the touchdown that I caught was a minus split where he's a yard outside of the offensive tackle. He's basically in a tight end position. Anyway, he's just standing up instead of being in a three point stance, you get a corner route guy has inside leverage. It's wide open. Right. So they're, they're definitely getting him more involved. And it seems like the way that the offense is talking about themselves in the post-game pressers and stuff, Seems like they very much want to get Lazard and Tanya more involved, you know, down the stretch so that they can just stop getting Devontae, you know, doubled or clouded <laughs> or whatever you want to call it, rotated safeties. It's not – when people talk about double coverage, it's not like actual double coverage. We have two guys on you. It's usually that they're rotating the coverage his way where he's kind of bracketed, if that makes any sense. So, Yeah, and, and to that point, I mean, just, just again, the fact that they were able to spread the ball around so much was, I think, a good sign moving forward. Um, getting all of those guys five, six, seven targets, um, that's just going to, you know, like you said, continue to um, to open up, I think, coverages for everybody moving forward. And it'll be exciting once once MVS gets back, too. Hopefully sure. uh, he can come back in the next week or two. Um, they have that deep threat back, and, and that, you know, that kind of changes how defenses have to – um, have to play their coverages as well. Um, let's talk about uh, – oh, actually, I want to get into this first. Um, they started using two-back stuff a lot more. Pony yeah. – uh, Pony uh, – pon- Pony. Pony. <laughs> Goodness gracious. Uh, uh, pony pers- personnel. That is hard to say. Um, basically, what they did, they would go into under center and use Jones as a motion man with Dylan still in the backfield, which we saw a little bit when, like, Irving got hurt um, mm-hmm. uh, last season. And then – they're, they did some split back gun stuff, which is just, you know, a running back on each side when you're lined up in shotgun. So that's interesting to see because that means, you know, obviously they want it for, for down the stretch. I don't think it's a, hey, we're pulling this out against Washington because we need this to beat Washington's front. I think it was more like, let's just make sure uh, we, we have this straight for, for uh, that hell stretch that is coming up. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And you saw, I, I think I noticed a couple different combinations too. I, I think there was mm-hmm. at least one or two plays where it was Kylan Hill in the backfield and Jones in motion um, as well as the, obviously the Jones Dylan combo. So um, it does seem like Hill is starting to get a little bit more um, run in the offense. I mean, a, a couple snaps here and there. Um, he, I think he ended up with three carries today. A couple of those were, you know, were real late in the game when they were trying to run some clock down, but um yeah, I, I still think that there's some some opportunities to get him involved a little more in the offense. Um, it just didn't seem like they really had much of a chance to to really get into the running game today. Maybe that was by design again with with all the empty stuff early. Um, but you know they did you know they tried a little bit maybe in the middle of that game to 
um, to start getting those, those running backs going, but there really wasn't much run, running room in this game anyway, for those guys. I think the longest run was Rogers like 15 yard scramble. And then they had a really nice uh, end around uh, on this jet sweep to EQ, which was, which was nice. I still believe, I still believe in EQ. Um, but uh, yeah, it was, it was a, a pretty quiet game for the running backs for the most part. I, I do think that it's interesting and probably worth noting that the past two weeks they've gone against very strong defensive fronts, not necessarily defensive linemen, right? Because like a 3-4 team and a 4-3 team would call those pass rushers as whatever. But when they're getting stopped at the line of scrimmage, they do go into the gap power stuff. Like they go mm-hmm. into power, they go into counter to get this set up. And that's those are DeGuara formations, right? We've, we've yeah. seen it enough now where that's that's the DeGuara game. Um It'll be interesting to see, you know, when Daphne comes back, how they kind of split those tight end reps. Um, That's the uh, one place where they do have redundancy in right. body types and skill sets, right? Is with Deguara and Daphne mm-hmm. um, because yeah, Daphne was getting most of those reps in the first games. Yeah. And, and that they're both guys that they also use down in the red zone too. You, yeah. you know, that's kind of where you see green Bay's not, how heavy they are but like the fact that everyone can block everyone who can catch a ball can block right yeah. that's where you see it is is near the goal line um billy turner you know he's gotten pro bowl height last two weeks from aaron Rodgers. he had a little bit of a <laughs> tougher game today i mean i don't really even know what to say other than you know washington's front's very good but yep i just still don't buy the, the pro bowl thing that's a that's a little too rich for my blood there's there's so many good tackles especially in the nfc it's going to be really tough for a you know, a right tackle with, with a little less name recognition than, than a lot of these other guys to, to really get pumped up for that. Um, so I don't, I, I'm not buying it just yet. Um, you know, I think we can maybe make a push for, for Devondre or Borquez, but uh, yeah, Billy's, Billy's a bit of a stretch to me too. Um, last thing offensively, I want to touch Devonte. just pay him, just pay him. Yep. We, yep. everyone knows we can't get anything else done until you pay Devonte <laughs> and then you convert his like year one stuff into a signing bonus. So that's how you create cap space. Devonte is like, if you want to, I don't know if I was fully bought into like Devonte wide receiver one until this year, but now yeah. it's really hard to point at someone in the league and say he's doing it better other than I guess Jamar Chase. I mean, he just went for 200 yards. So like Jamar he, Chase has been a great year, but yeah, that, that catch up the sideline that he made right in front of the Packers sideline, just insane. Um, and, and I think he got, three feet down before he, he got out of bounds with that. And, and it was tremendous coverage. Um, just the, the hands that he has and the chemistry that he's got with Rogers is just completely irreplaceable. Yeah. Um, defensively, I'm going to do the same thing. So like what I'm, I'm going to give it seven out of 10 vibes. Um, one thing that I still have questions about is so the red zone defense did better. Here's the problem. There are different, areas of the field in the red zone right so there's like high red zone low red zone really what i'm most worried about is what green bay looks like within three yards of the end line right Mm -hmm. or or three yards of the end zone and we didn't see that many reps a lot of those red zone starts it wasn't like the guy that the red zone drive didn't start at the five yard right it started at the 20 and then it ended at the three so i kind of want to see them like in like goal line stand mode more because that's when coverages get weird. Like red zone coverages get so weird. Once you get to the line of scrimmage that you're not calling those 
plays anywhere else on the field. And I still don't think we have clarity there and they didn't get that many reps. So I understand red zone defense got a big old thumbs up from everyone today. I would still like a little bit more clarity once they're like real tight to the end zone, like within five yards, within 10 yards, more than more so than that, like 15 to 20 yard uh, area, because that's where we're seeing blown coverages where guys, the coaches staff talks about, you know, we need 11 guys on the same page. That's where you see like, just DBs look at each other after the play and they're like, what, who who was supposed to have that? And you see the confusion. So I don't know if we really got clarity there. Yeah. You got a couple, you got a couple of opportunities. Those first two stands um, again, the, the first one was, you know, Heineke sliding short of the goal line. And then that, that uh, the, the quarterback sneak that, that Campbell punched out. And and Gary had his paw on Heineke's back, pulling his jersey back too. He had a good game, even in the run game. Like it seemed like, Gary, they left him unblocked on the edge, which like happens. That happens all the time on zone. So you're either yeah. going to hold that guy with like a boot threat or you can do the slice stuff where the tight end is moving across the formation like Green Bay does with Deguara, or you can just full-blown option it. There's only so many ways that you can hold that backline guy. The, the game changer is when that guy is fast enough that he can actually run down the back of a play. Yep. And Gary did that a couple of times today. And that was great to see. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I think the, the second stop too, um, you finally got a little bit of good coverage in, um, in, in close to the goal line, but that one also was led by a mistake by Washington because Terry McLaurin dropped a ball that basically hit him right in the face mask on third down, uh, leading to, to Amos making you know a, a pretty nice play on Ricky Seals Jones on fourth down. So I do think that to some extent you have to take into account the opponent and um, consider the fact that, you know, yeah, Washington made some mistakes that led to those stops um, and, you know, at least take that into account. Uh, the pick by Chandon was great. That was, again, a little more of a high red zone play. So um, not, uh, not an example of kind of the goal line defense um, the, as you were discussing. So um, still feels good to at least get, like you said, get that monkey off their back. And, you know, hopefully carry a little bit of momentum into a, a real tough matchup with Arizona. Campbell, two forced fumbles, 13 tackles. We can, we can it's for pro sure Bowl get time. this guy a Pro Bowl vote. Oh, yeah. yeah we, can, we can get him in. If, if we rally the troops, we can do this. Circle the wagons. Well, as of what, last week, he was the top rated inside linebacker in all of football by Pro Football Focus. Like, mm-hmm. it's, it is, it never ceases to amaze me this year that they got him off the street the first week of June for peanuts, basically. Um, He said something in his presser today too, that uh, I thought was kind of interesting, just where he's kind of allowed to be the guy. And maybe that's a Joe Barry thing. I mean, he's Barry's defense. um, And I remember a lot of the talk this off season was about, um, you know, how the Barry kind of Brandon Staley defense really shine help helps shine a light on on linebackers in particular um, off ball linebacker linebackers and so I wonder if um, there's something about this scheme that just really plays well to his skill set because he looks like a different player than he did you know even when he was a solid decent player in Atlanta um, this is this looks like a totally different guy and um, it's just exciting to you know to watch him flying all around the field and um, you know punching balls out and. 13 tackles today again um, just another huge game from him so let's let's fire up the wagon man I think one thing that really helps him and I think kind of helps inside linebackers in general if they're not like blitz heavy guys like you're actually like making run reads and stuff like that is 
when they're playing the bare front or they're playing uh, the penny stuff, which is like the three defensive tackle nickel, um, where you're just clogging up those inside lanes. And that Mike linebacker is really reading like he's reading the guard. He's reading the backfield. If there's you know, a fullback, he's following that fullback. And it's a lot more like read and react from off tackle to off tackle left to right than it is like, okay, I feel a gap, right? Like I see run, I feel a gap. And LaFleur even talked about it like when he was with the Falcons and he was saying, you know, we kind of had him as like a run and chase will, you know, for Atlanta. And the way he talks about kind of his role in Green Bay, it's it's almost like uh, Madden users, right? Like if you're playing linebacker <laughs> in Madden and you're like, no, I'm just going to use this guy to like cover the entire middle of the field. That's kind of how this defense is constructed with so many bodies on the interior. The, a lot of the runs that you're going to get aren't right up the middle. You're not going to get inside yep. zone when three defensive tackles are there because that's three one-on-ones and the linebacker can just run up field and get into the backfield. So what you're going to have to do is pull a guy or run outside and he's already in that position where guards aren't getting to him because there's three defensive tackles in front of him. So as long as he can yeah. run sideline to sideline and he trusts his eyes, um, I think it's a really good fit. It'll be interesting to see. I mean, we're getting ahead of ourselves a little bit if we talk about this, but it'll be interesting to see if they could bring him back next year because mm -hmm. I think – He's up there in age. Linebackers aren't really a position that you get paid at um, once you escalate in age because I think we mentioned this before, like they wear out just as fast as running backs. I don't, and I don't think people realize that. Like Bobby Wagner right now, you can watch the Seahawks. He's not the same guy that he used to be even yeah. like two years ago. They're, when their legs are gone, their legs are gone. <laughs> um, so it'll be interesting to see like what the market for him is because if they can get him back on like a Mercedes Lewis type of deal, like – Good. Sign me up now <laughs> and for multiple years. Like this yeah. dude is great. One of my buddies was texting me and he's like, you got to stop with the Devondre Campbell best Packers linebacker in like a decade. Thing, nope. Just a full blown good linebacker. It's not even on like the, uh, <laughs> the grading scale of Packers linebackers anymore. This dude is yeah, just, just objectively solid. Really NFL good. Linebacker. Yeah. Yep. yeah. <laughs> I'm happy about him. I, I can't, I can't wait. The one thing I will say is like, if he goes down, I don't know if anyone else on this team can oh, man. kind of play the way that he plays. Um, well, we haven't seen we haven't seen Chris Barnes. I don't I don't remember seeing him on defense really at all in this game. Um, I think he made a maybe made a play on special teams, but the the snap counts will be really interesting to see what they did at that other linebacker spot. Um, we saw a little bit of Jalen Smith. Um, I thought I saw maybe a handful of snaps out of Oren Burks, but man, Barnes has really seemingly fallen down the depth chart with uh, with Smith's addition. Um, and, and as Burks is getting more playing time. I think one thing that hurts him too, is he's the one inside linebacker that can't drop down to the line of scrimmage. Really, yeah. like They use him to blitz a little bit from the interior, but I mean, you could watch Jalen Smith and, a couple of his plays, you're like, no, you're playing three, four outside linebacker right now. You know yeah. what I mean? And it's the same thing with Burks. I mean, they're kind of yeah. different guys. Like Burks is more just like straight line speed, really, like closing speed. Um, they talk the way they talk about Jalen's kind of interesting because Gary was talking about him and he's like, Yeah, dude, Jalen is like helping me like rep to rep. He's like, This is what the offensive tackle is giving me. Like, be on the look for that. And then Rashawn is nice. like is saying like, yeah, that's exactly what he gave to me. So like, I just beat his ass. So <laughs> that's, that's, I, I didn't expect Jalen Smith uh, not looking so good on the field, but also being like coach on the field. Right. Yeah. I didn't, I wasn't ready for that narrative. <laughs> yeah. I think the uh, one other thing I want to touch on on the defense was um, 
forced four fumbles in this game. Um, Packers only recovered the one, which was the uh, the sack strip by Gary. Fumble luck, right? But yeah, I think but that'll that'll start balancing out. Yeah, well, and Savage should have had that one down in the mm. red zone too. Um, that he kind of fell on top of and then rolled over and, and Chase really got the the recovery instead. But yeah, that's that's one of those things that I think will you know, it, it, it tends to regress as well. So. Um, if they can keep punching the ball out, man, that's um, the the turnovers have been there these last couple of weeks for this defense. Um, and I'm look, I'm hoping that that just continues. Savage has had the year of like, oh, so close. Yeah. <laughs> that's yeah, he that's that, tough. He had He's a, a good player, a, but it's not, it's just not showing up in the, uh, in the box a, score. There was a pick that I, that I think he could have had that went off his hands. Um, there was, he almost had a great, tackle for loss and like a swing pass at one point. And I think to McLaurin that ended up, he missed the tackle and it went for like 30 yards. Um, yeah. Just the little plays on the margins that if he can, you know, dial those in, um, you know, he could be a pro bowl caliber caliber player, but it's, you know, it seems like every, every once in a while, those, those are just a little bit off and they can, can lead to big plays or um, just missed opportunities. Um, special teams vibes. I'm like, I'm pretty mad. <laughs> I've given it three out of 10. What what the hell are we wow. doing? Here? How do, how do we get a, we got a block? Oh my goodness. That yeah. wasn't, that wasn't good. Like that the field goal so, unit, there's nothing you could do to convince me that the field goal unit, like it's going to be the playoffs. Mason Crosby can hit every kick from here on out to Christmas and the first uh, field goal in the playoffs. I'm still just going to be like my heart just beating like 150 BPM. <laughs> So it, it looked like something was weird on his kick there. Um, I mean, it was a short kick. So you'd think he'd be going for, you know, a, a good high trajectory to make sure that there was no, you know, no possibility of going, going straight into alignment, but it looked low and it looked like it came off awkwardly off his foot. Um, I, so I, I'm, mm, was, am I nervous about it? Yes. Um, am I panicked about it? Not unless it happens again. And outside of that, I think the special teams, other than that, that black field goal, I thought the special teams were great. Um, Slayton had a blocked field goal on, on Washington's first attempt. Um, Bohorko has a couple and another couple of great punts. That one that he planted like two inches off the goal line um, that the, that the refs had to get together and decide whether or not it actually uh, was a, a um, was a touchback or not. And then good kickoff return coverage all game long for once. I mean, that was, that was nice. So everything else was um, I thought was, was really solid today on the special teams, but yeah, I, I, ugh, that block, the more I'm thinking about it, the more concerned I, <laughs> I find it. It's because you forget about, about it. It happened so early in the game. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. It didn't matter. And then you're like, wait, we're yep. going to play a playoff teams where field goals matter. <sighs> yeah. It's, Slayton getting that block is nice. I mean, he's a guy who he has a lot of athleticism and that usually yep. shows up on, you know, field goal block unit, especially if you have length. Um, I do think that this team is still hurt a little bit by the fact that they carry so few interior linemen when they play them so much. And then Slayton yep. defensively isn't getting that many snaps, frankly. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, they, they got some good return on, uh, Kiki and Lowry today. Um, both yep. of them had pretty big plays. Lowry seems like he's been picking it up the past, like, I don't know, three weeks or so. Um, yeah. But I, it would just be nice if like, they just need one more body on the defensive line. Like, I think one more body on the defensive line just to so much as eat reps so that the other guys have yeah. legs down the stretch. 
go so far. Because if if they lose an interior defensive lineman right now, they basically have three guys that would be like full time starters and yep. not come off the field. That's just too hard to do when guys are playing that big. Like no one uses the the Packers are using defensive linemen more than probably anyone else in the league right now with, with the yep. way that they're playing base so much and the way that they play their nickel specifically to not adjust your roster based off of that, especially your game day roster, I think is a mistake. And I just hope it doesn't bite him in the ass down the stretch because I could see a situation where it's just like Lowry or Clark, their legs just get burned down the stretch. And then you're like, we can't do a damn thing inside. I mean, like I said, Washington yep. went for 200 yards basically on the ground today. Chicago was playing the same type of uh, same type of game script. We've seen every team come out and say, we are running the ball and we are keeping your defense on the field. And that's how we're going to try to slow down Aaron Rodgers. Um, so you can have 300 yards, but you're only going to get 25 points, right? Or something yep. like that. So I just yeah, don't I mean, know, we, man. Uh, we had kind of talked about the, the trade deadline looming uh, last week after the Bears game and thinking that if the Packers make an addition, it's got to be in the front seven. Well, they got their kind of – Pass rush, yeah, they got the pass rusher in Merciless this week, so that worked out. So, yeah, I think um, if there's a move to be made on this team, it's it's at interior defensive line. That's where they've got to uh, find another body who's at least, to your point, capable of eating up maybe you know 18, 20 snaps a game just to keep some of these other guys a little fresh. So we'll see, but that's that's where uh, if I'm Goody, I'm making some phone calls. Yeah, because so I'm looking at the depth chart right now, so. Let's say Kenny goes down. Let's not put bad juju out there, but let's say Kenny goes down, right? So you got Lancaster, Lowry, Kiki basically playing full-time up front. Yep. They got Slayton, who pretty clearly is a developmental player who has a high upside, but at this point is not a down-and-down player to the point where they're very hesitant to even get him in the defensive line rotation, right? Yep. So that's your guy off the bench. And then Heflin, who just basically is a healthy scratch every game. So yeah. There's not that much on this roster. And then on the practice squad, they only have one guy. It's RJ McIntosh, and he was picked up in season to be put on the practice squad. So I don't know, man. Like, that's a position that they could definitely use depth. I would say that. And then if they could find a tight end who – so I would say defensive line is number one priority. Second, I would say, honestly, is as long as Jair isn't going to be out for the year with a shoulder surgery, then I think the next move is probably probably a tight end who is every down. Cause that's kind of mm-hmm. what they're missing. They're missing in every down tight end. They have, they know how to use Lewis. They know how to use Tanya. They knew how to use Deguar. They put them in good situations, which is nice to see. Um, yeah. It's good that Mercedes Lewis isn't running a post on like the play action shots, right? It's good that Robert Tanya isn't the inline tight end blocking power um, and down blocking like a defensive end or anything. That's good to see. But the fact that they don't have an every down tight end does limit them a little bit. Yep. Yep. Makes sense to me. Goodness gracious. All right. Uh, all right. I think we're out of here unless you got something else, Tex. Um, you, you did want to mention Lucas Patrick's weird helmet. Oh, yes. <laughs> the oddest Just, helmet I've seen. Yeah. That uh, I, I've, I don't think I've ever seen that model before. And um, I think our colleague, John Meerdink, is a little bit of a helmet geek. So I'll have to pick, uh, ping him and pick his brain a little bit about, see if he knows what model that is. But um, yeah, it's one of the more bizarre uh helmet configurations i've i've ever seen and they've been getting weird lately but that one takes the cake it's like it has a fin on the front of it it's like it has Mm -hmm. a growth on top of the helmet it looks like a normal helmet and there's just like that bump on the forehead it looks like someone hit him 
like with a <laughs> hammer or something. He's just got a big old lump. I don't get yeah. it. I don't know. Weird. But um, I guess with talking about helmets, one other point to make is I, I love the alternate uniforms today. I loved them. Um, I thought the, the, the all green was, was a nice look um, and they look better, I think in game action than they even did in some of the um, some of the promotional materials and the, the social media pictures and stuff that they've been putting up. So good on the team for, for coming up with a, uh, a good green based alternate Jersey. And I, I do hope that they uh, keep this one around for a while. Yeah. You always worry about alternate jerseys, right? Because we've seen yep. kind of what I think a lot of the Nike alternate jerseys since they've come into the league and kind of had, uh, control over that stuff a lot of them mm-hmm. are just like just seems like you're trying to be loud for the sake of being loud you know what i mean yep. with those so it's it's nice to see them like actually figure out something especially with their color scheme i mean you already have white and then yellow isn't a color that you can wear on a jersey like it's just too bright and then right. you already have green so what else are you going to do it's not like the packers are going to come out in all black uniforms and it's <laughs> not like they can come out in yellow so there's only so yep. much you can do with their color scheme it's it's nice to see uh I guess it's just nice to see Nike not mess it up. So, <laughs> yep. indeed, agreed. All right, Tex, 